0: Hello and welcome to episode two of the Good Bloke Method podcast. I'm your co-host Sam Newton and beside me here is Mel O'Neill King. Pleasure to be here. Good, I'm glad, i glad um, Episode two is about Mel's journey, Mel's story um, on you know how he got here to Athlete X and became the co-owner of Athlete X. Um, his journey, a little bit of history about him too, where he's from, the type of person that he is, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get straight into it. Um, so, Mel, um, local to Perth, yeah, um, born and bred here, born in Adelaide, yeah. Addedale, yep. What What was life like for Mel growing up in Perth and as as a youngster? And yeah, tell us a little bit more about that first to set the scene for everybody. Yeah, I was born in Adelaide Hospital. Um, at the time, heaviest baby on record. How
1: heavy were you, mate? Uh, it's in stone and I can't remember, but it was fucking heavy. It's all in your head, isn't it? Yeah, it's like. all upstairs. <laughs> in the noggin. So, <laughs> so I, was, I was born in 1990 um, to Linda and Mark. And, um, Dad was a FIFO worker. So the first sort of five years of my life, we sort of traveled around a bit. We lived in um, Bolivia when I was younger where you traveled to. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, we lived in uh, Catherine in the Northern Territory for a while as well. Um, And he tended to go around for work and we followed him on a few trips uh, before we sort of settled back in Perth. I think I was around sort of three or four. I can't really remember exactly when I was. Um, Living in a few houses and then finally settling into White Valley. And I grew up in White Valley until I left home at 26 lived in that house pretty much in watkin street
0: my whole life so white gun valley was your, your stomping ground yeah um yeah that's that's cool and like what was it like living in white valley and growing up
1: there and it's good there's a local park down the road which we used to go and cause havoc in um, very much an outdoors kid i uh if you ever see my eyes after a full day in the sun i've got like what's called burnt pterygiums, which is basically too much sun exposure as a kid because um, I never went inside, just <laughs> played outside. I went to the Montessori school on the beach in uh, on the way to Cottesloe, and finished up high school, uh, CBC in Frio. So pretty much once we travelled around a while, and Mum and Dad settled, really just stay put in Frio. Don't bother going north the river much, and just hung
0: around Frio my whole life really. So Still like don't venture north much, but <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, about it. that's all good. Um, so Montessori school, like, yep. why why did you you go to you know a Montessori school? Tell the tell people about what the Montessori method is all about, and yep. I think I think it'll open up um, <coughs> a few people's eyes as to what you're like and the why you are, the way you are. Yeah, um, it's a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Montessori schools like an alternative school where basically. I'm sure there's
1: going to be a better explanation, but this is my lived experience of it. Uh, it's basically sort of like self-learning. They have a guide um, when it comes to like where you should be at, but a lot of it is like your learnt experience and you trying to do a lot of hands-on learning. So their methods of teaching you to count and teaching you to read and write is very much like tactile. So you use like like for counting, you use different coloured blocks and all sorts of different things to help you count. They have like mini kitchens in the classroom as well so like really short kitchen tops where you learn to use like kitchen tools and all sorts of other things chop veg and stuff yeah chop your own veggies so um yeah i mean from a young age you're you're taught to like almost go at it alone and like figure out things by yourself uh, because it is a, a way of learning that allows you to sort of self explore and self go at your own pace um same with uh out in, the, out in the playground, uh, obviously spent a lot of time out there being an outdoorsy kid. Um, played a lot of sport growing up as well, so in primary school we got introduced to a lot of different sports whether it was tennis, soccer, t-ball, uh, all sorts, summer sports football and basically played as much sport as I could uh, in variance. and didn't really stick to much through it, through my early uh, younger years, I guess you'd say, but I um, tried anything and everything. Mm-hmm. One good memory of uh, Montessori school was on Fridays, we used to go to the beach every day. Layton Beach? Yep, Layton yeah. Beach. So I still go to the beach nearly every other day. Same beach. Um, just when I feel like I'm a bit lost, I go back there and things just tend to settle into place. Mm-hmm. It's the same beach. Uh, it's actually the same beach where I sort of ask my now future wife, Caitlin, to uh, ask me to marry her. <laughs> so it holds a... Definitely a big place in my heart. That's um, kind of where we want to end up living one day, in that North Fremantle, Leighton Beach area. Uh, that's the dream. But that would yeah, be a good I've, spot to live. Yeah, I grew up there and went to primary school there. My sister went there. Still got some good friends from that from that primary school. And my mum's like best friends all formed in that school, really. So definitely holds a strong place in my heart, uh, Montessori. It's it's also probably the reason that I work for myself. Yeah. Um, because I, yeah, tend to not work uh, too well at in a long period of time in sort of uh, the environment where it's very like instructional. Mm. You do
0: this, you do that, or you get out. I've um, had a oh, shitloads of jobs, <laughs> like which from yeah, which like like transitioning from the Montessori school, then going to CBC. Yeah, what uh, tell us a little bit more about that, like. Yeah, as well and that was definitely, onward from there it was definitely yeah. not
1: an easy thing for me like I left uh, Montessori school paint the picture of day one at CBC you meant to like wear your school uniform for the first day and then the next day onwards you wear the like the CBC uniform is like a bit of a thing to say you're part of their school now and this is your new place well I didn't have a school uniform so I just rolled in and whatever the fuck I wanted to wear which at the time was like all sorts <laughs> <laughs> those of you who know mel <laughs> well enough that the thought of a uniform yeah no nah.
0: yeah didn't it didn't <laughs> yeah. <work>. but anyway <laughs> i was the only
1: it's... kid in like a non-school uniform so straight away it was like bit bit of a harsh experience because everyone else was like in their little groups we had like six kids from this school ten kids from this school three from here and i was like the only one that went to obviously an alternative school that didn't have to wear a uniform so that was a Tough introduction, but uh, yeah, the first probably two years I would say, to maybe even three years at CBC, I was definitely uh, non-conforming. Would be a good way <laughs> to put things. Um, have my fair share of uh, incidences, I guess you'd say, between teachers and non-teachers and everyone else that I came across. But like the whole thing that transferred from primary school through to high school as well was like. Uh, whilst I might not have like conformed to things I was like lovable idiot basically made a lot of fun of yeah. everything um, <laughs> yeah. my own no change there yeah my own <laughs> at my own expense <laughs> yes. but also to the expense of others which as a maybe 40 50 year old teacher that's done the same job for 30 years you get a 13 year old kid come in and basically tell him that I'm not interested in what you have to say i do what I want it didn't go down so good mm. for uh, about three years I think in year 10, I, uh, I got suspended for, like yeah, we won't go into that, but I got suspended no. for whatever reason. Um, and then from then on, I think I was like, okay, cool, I need to like, I need to sort of adapt here and go into their little pigeonhole of doing things their way, which was like, it was tough for me for sure. <coughs> but year 11 and 12 onwards became a much better experience. I sort of got to know my mates and which I had the whole way through and then, did it all right at school. In year 11, I was on track to do like TE and basically dropped it all because I just didn't want to do it. And it's generally how I've sort of done things and got to the end of year 11, decided that I didn't want to go to university. So I dropped all my TE subjects to do the, the cool stuff. So I went and did metal work, woodwork, outdoor ed, PE, PE as much as I could. Yeah, I just played sport and made stuff for the last year of my high school. and. Um, From there, I finished high school and didn't really
0: know what I was going to do. So like that was my next one is like, you know, after after school and starting to recognize that you had a little bit more of a a practical application in life and those what your skill set suited. Then what happened next, like you came out of school and you know, you've had numerous jobs. Tell us a little bit more about that and how it sort of transitioned to today and how it's benefiting you now. Yeah, I mean I probably worked at every fast food chain
1: possible in the like in my late teens, so McDonald's, Hungry Jack's, Chicken Treat, Red Rooster, you name it, I worked at them and never lasted really more than a year. Um, after a year I just got really bored and used to start mucking up and just getting over it and once I started playing up they were like, yeah, see you later. So yeah, it didn't last very long but had a lot of different jobs. Um, once I finished high school, I went on levers, and the day after, or the day I got back from leavers, I drove into my driveway, and my next door neighbor, was his, his, him and his brother owned like a metal fabrication shop. So I drove in, hungover after drinking for five days and eating nothing but Um <laughs> <laughs> which was a good experience. <laughs> and uh, the, he basically saw me and said, yeah, you, you've got any plans? And I was like, no, i got no plans. So he's like, cool, start on Monday. I rolled into an a all-Croatian uh, company called MIE, taken in by the boys there, and did about two and a half years of a fit machinist apprenticeship in a metal workshop um, where they ex- did FIFO, and I sort of fitted in a new workshop, and once I'd done my first year, I started doing FIFO as well, and yeah, I didn't finish, so in like 2009, I basically checked it, I was over it, I was the same thing, I thought I knew what I was doing with that trade and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore because I can't see myself being a FIFO worker. I'd had a girlfriend through the starting period of my uh, apprenticeship and then as soon as I started working away, like that wasn't going to work at 19, working three or four in one shutdowns going away every week. So we broke up and I basically said, I'm out of here. So typical like thought I knew what I was doing, so the time was up, I'm like, I mean, what else can I do here? I quit my job, quit my apprenticeship, sold my car, sold everything I had. And how, just old were you, how old were you at this point? I was 19. Nineteen. So I was 19 yeah. and I just went, yeah, I'm done. I sold everything and bought a one-way ticket to Italy. Um, Travelled a little bit with my family, it was my dad's sort of 50th uh, celebrations. I think it was the next year, so I left like the next year in 2010. When I was 20, checked it, Travelled a little bit in Italy with my family for a couple of weeks and then basically spent the next year roaming around, just making it up as I went along. I met a a family that was in a villa next to us from um, Denmark and they said, oh, you should come stay with us. I rocked up on their doorstep two weeks later and was like, oh, you said I could stay. So they let me stay for like three or four weeks and I just followed the guy around and lived with him and he went to the basically live with him and followed him around he was like a sales rep so I just drove around with him for four weeks I uh, got bored of that and then went over to England where I um, had a mate of mine that lived in the north in South Shields spent sort of two or three months there not doing a whole heap and drinking a lot as you do in the cold winters months of Eng- the north of England <laughs> yeah <laughs> as you would know absolutely yeah um, and then I just roamed around England a bit, didn't do much, and decided, oh, I think I'm gonna go, someone put in my mind that it'd be cool to go to become a snowboarding instructor. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen snow before, and I was like, oh, that is a cool idea, like, I should do that. So, basically booked a learn to become a snowboard instructor without ever seeing snow. So I was like, at the, I think it was about January of 2010, Booked a plane to Vancouver not Vancouver, Banff, which was through Calgary, got on a plane, flew to Calgary. When I got there, bought like the whole kit, bought the bag, bought the board, bought all the cold stuff. Like I went there with like jumpers and shit. Like I didn't have anything (laughs) cold weather, except England weather. But it was like minus forty some days, so I like (laughs) had to buy the proper stuff. Did a two month course on how to become a snowboarder, snowboard instructor. Little did I know that every other person in there had been skiing or snowboarding their whole life. Yeah, right. I'd never seen snow before. Rolled in day one, and let's just say I was shit. (laughs) That's
0: true. I spent the first two
1: weeks on my ass. The instructor was like, "Man, you like probably aren't ready to be here." And I was like, "Okay, cool." I shot off and did like the kids' classes for two days. So I was doing the kids' slope for two days, and then they let me back in because I could like do it enough. Yeah. Spent the next two months like. Skiing around Canada and yeah doing whatever else in Banff that you do and then My best mate at the time was having his 21st in like April March. So I was like cool. I'm done flew back to Perth Partied for a little bit and then I was tw- yeah, and it was my turn to turn 21 and that yeah. was April of 2011 and eleven. Eleven, yeah. came back So I spent like a
0: year and a bit just traveling around doing whatever So you've been on quite the journey so far you've sort of thrown yourself into um you know Banff and try to learn how to snowboard ski and that type of thing you've come back to, to Perth and yeah. I, think, I think the audience would like to know as well is like where when did, when did Caitlin come on the scene and when how did you meet Caitlin and um, yeah, tell us a little yeah. bit more about that if you want to share
1: so I'd met Caitlin on leavers she was in like the tent next to the we stayed in a van with like me and six mates and like they were in a tent group next to us so we'd, we'd met each other and like mutual friends we knew who each other were and We didn't really say too much to each other at the time. And she started going out with one of my mates. Yeah. So they went out for a while and then like they broke up. And basically I started going out with her and none of my friends agreed with it. And in like 2011, basically by the time I got back, I started going out with her. They didn't like it. So I haven't spoken to them since. Basically eight years ago, I had like five or six best mates who like literally we saw each other every single day. Started going out with Caitlin, which was like very no kosher if you've ever been around a lads group. But like at the time I was like, I don't give shit what you guys think because I think she's awesome and it is what it is. Um, and yeah, basically on a dime, having spoken to my best mates of high school for like eight years. So that sent me down a path of like not such good things. I uh, turned to getting as drunk as possible as quickly as possible. If you've ever like lost a bunch of friends to any circumstances, it it, it rocked me a bit. I was like 21, typically around 21, what do you do? You're like hanging out with your mates a lot, going out, doing whatever. And at 21, I basically had no mates with a new girlfriend and I was like, what am I doing here? At the time, I was think I came back and I was a postman. I think I was a postman Not at this stage. Time. Maybe I wasn't mm-hmm. a postman even yet. I was studying. Um, basically, I was studying to be, go to uni. I thought I had to go to uni to get some qualifications, so I was doing like a bridging course. Um, started going out to Caitlin, and then that's when I was like drinking shitloads. I got to basically 110 kilos. I was like, I need to join a gym, because I'm <laughs> fat. So I <It> was like, <laughs> cool. Need to join a gym because I'm like turning into a slob, and Caitlin's awesome, and this is not going to work for very long. So I joined a gym, CrossFit Quarter in Mel- Melville. Shout out to Beck. First, gave me first sort of introduction to a gym. Basically, 2011, I'd never stepped foot in a gym other than like a YMCA or rec center gym. Basically, just walked in and took a piss on a treadmill for 20 minutes. Um I tried sweat. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I played sport my whole life, so I didn't. Mm. I didn't think I needed to go to a gym because yeah, I just yeah. played sport um, then in 2011 joined CrossFit gym and fell in love with it like literally I would I was still living in White Gun Valley and the gym was in like Myrie started driving there in the morning doing like at one session after about three months I was like I was hooked I used to like run to the gym and do the 6 a.m. so it's like nearly 10 k's away run there took me like 45 minutes an hour to run there Train in the 6 a.m., run all the way home, get on the bus and go to school. Come back from school or TAFE or wherever I was and then go and run back to the gym and spend the entire afternoon training the same class that I did in the morning again, um, because they let me do it again. Um, And only because I basically was there all day, every day, (coughs) morning, afternoon, Caitlin was like, you're cheating on me for sure. Because I spent like the entire week, like I'd come home and be like, cool, I'm off to the gym, see you later. And I wasn't, I was at the gym like every day. Um, and I'd basically been there for like seven months and the Christmas party rolled around. And I was like, you got to come to the Christmas party, Caitlin. Like, so it was at the left bank and she'd come along and I like, had never been to the gym and like, as you would know, if you go to one of these gyms, like the... The community there basically embraced her was like oh you need to come it's amazing and then after the christmas party she joined and yeah that's the story of caitlin starting crossfit me meeting and going with caitlin and
0: very interesting my start to crossfit as well I think you, you know like you know you've been through you've been traveling you've had a multitude of jobs and um you've been through a breakup with some life friends where you've also met Uh, a gem that is Caitlin and, uh, you know, you're now together and you both um, gone on this little bit of a journey and discovered CrossFit, you know, personally, which is a bit of a turning point for you by the sounds of things. And you've also now got, you know, Caitlin involved in CrossFit, which, um, you know, she started falling in love with it too. Um, So saying the scene there, like, like what happened next? Like what was the the next evolution of Mel and Caitlin (coughs) on this, on this new path? And yeah. um, So I did my, uh, did my level
1: one, so me and another girl, Abby, who's just joined us at AthleteX, um, basically decided to do our level one. We were like, oh, we love this stuff, let's do our level one. Did our level one, it was good timing, just back at quarter basically needed some help with some coaching hours. So me and Abby came on board for like a little internship and started doing a little bit of coaching. At the time, I think I was still studying. I'd gotten through my sort of um, bridging course and I did a diploma in graphic design um in the background for i think that went for about a year a year and a half maybe three or four semesters finished that all good Um, i was coaching a little bit and i thought okay cool like i don't want to do graphic design so i'll just get a job for a while and see how it feels and that's when i became a postman so i was like i love motorbikes and like being outdoors i was like this is a sweet job i'll just ride around in a motorbike all day yeah in 40 degrees or pissing down of rain so it was a good job <laughs> and it lasted me really well but same thing I got to a year and it just was like I was over it yeah so I checked that um, after about a year and went back and studied a diploma in building design I'd love like drawing and as a kid and th- all through high school and even in my early 20s I still drew a lot and I was like I'll become an architect so again I needed to do like another course to go to uni mm-hmm because the graphic design one didn't work enough. So I was like, cool, I'll go and do a diploma in building design and then that'll get me credits to go to uni. Basically the whole time I was doing that, basically through 22 to 23 onwards, I was still coaching at Quarter and like falling more and more in love with training and coaching and helping people and um, Quarter had moved a few times before that or during that time. And I was like, "I, I love doing this stuff so I finished the diploma, I think I was 24, 25 maybe. Um, by that stage I'd quit the um, um, posting and I was like, I'd come to a bit of a crossroads. I was, a, I was gonna either go to uni and become uh, an architect or I was gonna go and open the gym. I was like, I'm 25 and my, my, my idea was like, if I do this for 10 years, and just give it a red hot crack, I'll only be 35. I'll still have to work for another 30 years so i can come back and become an architect when I'm 35 and I'll have given it a red hot crack. Didn't know anything about business or anything like that. Um, spoke to Dylan and Seamus and like I was training a lot there. Me, Abby and Dylan and Seamus were throwing down pretty much every day, doing some epic workouts, probably the fittest I've ever been. We were just training all day, every day. I was a student so I was like, but I'll wag school and just train or just do assignments at the gym and then send submit them online so we we're training heaps and speaking to Dylan and Seamus and it just we were like cool let's open another gym so CrossFit Key Ocean View was born we decided that in basically June of 2016 and by July of 2016 we'd signed the lease and Yeah, we got the keys to the place that didn't even have approval to be a gym, but we were like, (laughs) let's just do it anyway, and we'll make it up as we go along. Which kind of was like, it followed my whole life, really. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just making it up as I went along, which probably does go back to that Montessori stuff. Like, Mm. I'm just learning it as I'm going. I'm thinking, yeah, cool, like, I'll be able to work it out. I'll be able to make it work. It's done it in the past, so I'll just go for it. Um, Yeah, July of 2016, got the keys. Spent basically four months um, fitting it out because we didn't have approval to actually be here yet. So we basically drilled all the holes in the wall, got the gym ready to go, but we weren't I allowed to open. Approval, yeah, yeah, we were waiting yeah. to open. So thing was a sort of October of 2016. Opened the gym. I thought, oh yeah, sweet. Like I'm a pretty good trainer, friendly guy. Like people would just join up and it'll be sweet. The first month we opened, we signed three people that was it so luckily we sort of agreed on some like rent-free periods so we didn't really have a lot of bills um, the first yeah first month we started with three people um, and yeah tough definitely tough uh, tough going but I still then and to this day like was like I oh, will make it work like I'm confident that we can do it I was confident in the way I coached and who I was as a person more so and I was like yeah this is gonna work like had uh, wrote my parents into believing it as well and they fronted up some cash for me which was epic, the gym wouldn't be here without them so that was like huge for them to believe in me and definitely like it took some convincing but I don't know if you've been around me enough once I believe in something it was on and I was just in their ear all the time like this is going to work like this is, trust me, this is going to work they'd never seen me coach they'd never trained with me before and it was like yeah whatever like pretty much... Believing in it so let's do um, it and supported you yeah. so that was uh, epic so shout out to mum and dad for sure for believing in me thanks mark and linda um yeah that was late 2016 or yeah last sort of start of the last quarter of 2016 and then we rolled into the back end of 2016 and you arrived mm. yeah so the infamous uh training session at free okay where you passed out and uh I took you to the hospital and tried yeah. to look after you for a while. That was the first time I met Caitlin as, as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She worked not far away. so In the Mitsubishi sort of, Colt. Yeah, in the blue Colt. <laughs> yeah. In the Fisher Blue. So <laughs> yeah. we sort of caught up with you. You met Caitlin and I met you. And from there, we just spoke about you sort of renting some space. So you moved from Broome like without without Becky, sort of come here and get things set up. And I think you experienced this similar thing that I did. Like mm. it's, it's hard work down here to get people to join a gym that no one... Really knows who you are, mm. and it was the same for me. Like people knew how I was, but they were sort of they were, they were where they were, and they didn't want to leave. So I was like, oh man, this is going, to, this isn't as easy as I thought it was. Um, fast forward to about December of 2016, and I'd basically been running this gym like solo for the entirety of that that course. So I was getting a little bit of help here and there, but definitely not what I expected it to be in regards to like the partnership of business. Um, and yeah the infamous sleep in was like a big turning point Huge, yeah. so I slept through my alarm and had to try to call people that were going to be there, this is sort of December <coughs> had to call everyone that was going to be there for the 6am and tell them oh, I'm sorry and that point onwards I'd never done that before, I'd never missed a class in my now sort of six, seven years of coaching at that time and was like, this, this isn't gonna work. I need to change something. I can't keep going 6 a.m. through till 6 p.m. every day doing it all. So I was like, spoke to you about an opportunity. You and the boys agreed on sort of swapping spots. You became my business partner. They sort of checked it back to Frio. Um, and yeah, as of February of 2017, Athlete X was rebranded and reborn and that's coming up on now, yeah, three years this January, which yeah. has been, I think at that time we'd probably had still no more than 20 people that actually attended this gym, probably even less. Yeah, I think there you go. Seven people. We had seven, like, members that were actually training here in a 400 s- square metre facility. So definitely wouldn't recommend doing that if I did it again, but also, like, probably would do it again. Learn from cause, it again. Because, like... Yeah. Yeah, it's got us this far. I've uh, got some big lessons from it. Caitlin stuck by me the whole way, living at my parents' house for the first two years. Um, basically being supported by my, my at the time, girlfriend, mm. pretty much. Because I wasn't taking a wage, like, to be right. fully honest, neither of us took a wage for the first... For a long time. Uh, yeah, whatever it was, mm. um, in order to make this place continue to grow. So. The day yeah.
0: we went to 100 bucks a week. Oh, mate, was that was like, huge. I was yes. like, yeah, buddy, I don't have to ask anyone if we go buy food. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. yeah, started literally with no members, signed three, and then we've grown from there. Started not paying ourselves for a very long time or what felt like a very long time, yeah. and then we went to 100 bucks. And the day we got paid 100 bucks was honestly yeah. like got a paycheck, and I was like, yeah. this is amazing. Um, so it was cool. Like from knowing nothing about business to three and a half years down the line feeling like, you know, we've got a pretty good one has been a good journey and like, not sure I would have been able to do it, doing it another way because of the person that I am. But yeah, basically that's how athlete X was born mm-hmm. and how I got to, got to start athlete X with Dylan and Seamus first, and then you coming on board and us creating actually what athlete X is and the values that we hold. Um, I think that's the big one for me, like finding you as a business partner was random as mm. fuck. Like, it is a It bit. was very random. It's like, if that wouldn't have happened, this gym wouldn't be here, no. which is epic. Like, mm. Which is so, kind of like how my life's gone for like 29 years. I didn't, yeah. I don't have a plan. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. The only thing I know I'm doing next year is I'm getting married on the 24th of October and Ow. that's the only thing that I know I'm doing. <laughs> Everything <laughs> else is up in the air. How exciting. But um yeah that's kind of how it's been for the last 29 years and I'm I'm working on a bit more planning but uh I don't know it's worked out pretty well so far um continue to uh develop Athlete X with you and Beck and yeah. Caitlin and Abby and Turi, and the, the support and help from every member that's ever been here in the past and every member that is still here it's been massive I, mean, I think they are I wrote and said in our Christmas party last week Mm -hmm. like one of the biggest things for me is the fact that we have a lot of people come from a long distance to train with us, they go past a lot of gyms in order to be here and that's like something special to me, the fact they're willing to travel a long way um, and commit to us for a long period of time so we've been open for like three and a half years and we have people that have been with us for over three of those years and they're still with us, for me that's massive, like um irrelevant of everything else that happens in business like that's kind of the point of opening a gym to look after people I and mean, it's been
0: it's been an awesome ride so far looking pretty forward to sh- the yeah, rest for extremely lucky yeah. yeah extremely lucky um we'll closing soon we'll finish up soon but one more question for you is what's the biggest bit of advice that you could give somebody who mm. is sort of like leaving school and doesn't really know what direction to take things you know 20 to 21 22 bit of advice i can only speak on the way i did things which (coughs) i'm sure this is going to
1: annoy a lot of parents but just do something like do anything doesn't have to be like what you think it's going to be your career forever like if you know what you want to be sweet like go for that and like commit to that young guy at this um that was at this gym and he's now online member alex mclaughlin massive shout out to him he knew he wanted to be a pilot his whole life dedicated his entire life to doing that Mm. at the age of like 18 or 19 he got into the navy and he's now fully qualified navy pilot like that to me i look at that and i'm like that's sick but if you don't know what you're doing just do something go and travel Get a shit job where you have to pack boxes. Do it for a year. After you finish doing that for a year, quit and do something else. By doing things, whether it's traveling, shit jobs, good jobs, you're like learning things about yourself, and you're learning things that you do want to do and that you don't want to do. By getting that job starting at Quarter in Melville all those years ago, I like learned to love helping people. Like I learned the fact that I really enjoy being around lots of people. If I hadn't have taken that job or hadn't have started there, I would have never opened a gym with you. Like, But I also had a lot of other jobs in order to find out that that's the one that I wanted to do. That's right. Like flipping burgers wasn't my end goal, but I did it anyway. Clearly, being a fitter machinist wasn't for me. But well, you tried but it. But I tried it and mm. did it anyway. Postman did It wasn't for me. But I did a lot of things along the way. Landscaping did that for like work experience was uh, when I was in high school all the jobs that I didn't finish for me they worked as
0: teachers of things that I didn't want to do and I still learned from them Um, and you think about like you know from them jobs you know we had at Maccas and Red Rooster and being a postman and all that sort of stuff yeah like along the way you're gonna be learning skills that um, transfer into today absolutely like the practical skills we've got here that we're required to build stuff yep. and plan and all that type of stuff they own all into one eventually the vast majority of the things you see that are like put together or built in this gym like
1: me and you have built like a lot of them and that's only because you worked in manual labor with your dad and yeah, i did stuff. it when i left high school mm. like if you're not going to put yourself in that deep end of like learning and you're going to suck on your start for sure you don't know what a hammer is so you miss and smash your thumb of course that's going to happen but like the course of life yeah absolutely and those Mm -hmm. jobs those shit ones at maccas we have to talk to people so that's probably where the journey to like being good at conversing started you know welcome to mcdonald's can i place your order please it's a simple line but it (laughs) forces you to actually converse with another human being might not be where you want to finish your career but like it's a start of a learning experience. So yeah, my advice would be to just keep
0: doing stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's about it, really. Thank you very much, Mel. Thank you. That is uh, Mel's story from uh, you know being a young boy in Perth, cruising around Frio to where he is today and the corner of Athlete X. And I feel very lucky to have him by my side. Um, episode two down, standby for episode three where we'll be talking about a little bit more about Athlete X in the future and then also um, the Kindness Project and what that's all about. So stay tuned and we'll see you guys next week. See you guys. Bye.